You have the first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses about the story of Moses, the legendary leader of Israel. For 40 years, the Israelites wake up every day and they look up at Moses' face and they hear his words and they find comfort in knowing that another day of Moses' leadership is upon them. The day closes out and they look out and they see him debriefing on the day about where they're headed and what they're doing. Their lives are defined by this legendary person. Like him or not, he's part of their daily life and life has become normal and routine and under control because they've got Moses. You turn to the book of Joshua and something changes. We're going to call this a Joshua moment. A Joshua moment. There's two of them in this book, and the first one's right off the bat, the first verse. When you stand on the cusp of some significant change in your life, and you're having to decide how you're going to live in light of it, what am I going to do as I venture into this something new that completely changes everything? It's a Joshua moment. There are some of these in your life. Not just one, there are several. What generates a Joshua moment is two great truths. One of them is this, life constantly changes. Things change in your life and you get, you get comfortable, you get in a routine, you think you got things under control, you can predict things, but suddenly something happens and you realize you've got no control at all and you don't have necessarily it all figured out and it suddenly becomes uncomfortable and you've got to decide how you're going to handle it. Things change in life and as the book opens up, God is speaking. God says, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. This guy, this guy who's defined your life for the last 40 years and gave you direction, he's gone. You're not going to see his face anymore. That comforting presence, the voice you hear is not going to be Moses. That experience you remember in your head, it, that guy that was responsible for that is not here anymore. Life just took a drastic change. He's not telling them this as a pronouncement. They already know Moses is gone, but he's saying to them, Life is changing. And every change like this is fraught with a little bit of uncertainty. There's this saying people say, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. What it means is, I would rather at least be familiar than trust this mystery I don't know what to expect. Even if this is better, I don't know it, so I'd rather have what I'm familiar with. And we're complacent and comfortable sometimes, and then life changes. And some of you are experiencing a Joshua moment right now. We've had people lose spouses. Imagine a familiar face in your life for 50, 60 years, and suddenly they're gone. Imagine always uh, relating to your parent. That parent is that one person who's been with you all your life, and you talk to them two or three times a day, right? Two or three times, whatever. And then that parent is gone. We've got people who've buried parents in the last few days. And for those of you who are graduates, you're now completing what has become the routine of your life, school. School for the last 12 years has been a feature of your life. It's just an everyday thing. You had to do, and it might be love, but you had to do it, and it was part of the routine of life, and you had it mastered, and you were the cool person on campus. And now you're graduating out, and you're going into the world of, who are you? Who are you? Everything is uncertain again. It's called a Joshua moment. Don't worry, your parents are going through one of these too. Your parents 
just kind of define themselves as the people trying to raise you right. And now all of a sudden, for some of you, this is your last child. And now all of a sudden you wonder, why do I need to behave myself? I'm not being an example for anybody else. I don't have to get anybody else up in the morning, don't run them off. No, it's just us. And it's like, man, that's a whole new identity now. You're, you're experiencing your own Joshua moment. We have these. But there's another truth that really, really is important here. While life throws changes at you, there's one thing that never changes. The God you serve. Now what I love about this, look at your Joshua text with me at verse 2, after he talks about Moses has died and now I want you to go. I want you to go over Jordan, you and all this people into the land I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon, I'm going to give you just as I promised Moses. The promise never changes. God's promise never changes. He is always alive to lead you to his promise. The fact that Moses is gone doesn't change the fact that the promise is still there. It's what's guided them for the last 40 years. It's been part of what God has promised Abraham years ago. The promise of God never changes. We've got a new leader, and everybody thought, even God, thought Moses was going to be the one to lead him in the wilderness, but he made a mistake. And so he's not going to lead them over there, but they are going to get over there. The promise is going to be kept. God is going to keep his promise. He's just going to use Joshua now to do it. And so, listen, your life will change constantly like a roller coaster. But there's one thing that will never change, God's presence in your life. And that's when God gives the secret. These two truths will give birth to the secret to the Christian life. You ready for this? This is where I want you to take pins out. I want you to get in Joshua with me. And I want you to underline two words. Actually, three, because there's an and in between them. Here's the great secret to our success as God's people. Be strong and courageous. That's four words. Sorry, my math is not my strong point. Be strong and courageous. I want you to underline that with me as we go along. You're going to underline three times because all this is emphatic. In verse 6, in verse 7, in verse 9, he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Listen, if he's writing an email to you or sending you a text, this is in all caps. If you've got an audio version, right, it's God going, hey, y'all, this is the secret. He's emphatic about this. Repetitive means emphasized. This is the key to you living a successful life. So you should be leaning in about right now going, hmm, because I'm in a Joshua moment, and I want success, and I want prosperity. So I'm going to lean in. What's the secret? Be strong and courageous. The first time he says that, I want you to underline it in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Just underline. Be strong and courageous. And here's why. Because you, Joshua, are going to cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to give them. You are the legend who's going to always be known as the one who led the people to the promised land. Joshua, it's going to take strength and it's going to take courage, but I've got a plan for you, and it's a big plan. It's a plan where you're going to get a book in the Bible. You're going to get 166th of the Word of God. You are going to lead this people. Everybody thought it was going to be Moses, but he's not a, you are the one. I'm going to make a legend out of you because I've got something in store. And here's the other thing. I want you to listen to this, Joshua. You are not just being courageous for your legendary status, but you're making a whole nation of people get a home, get a home and be faithful to God. I want you to, you, you are going to be used by me to bless thousands of people. And I want you to know something. 
That's God's plan for everybody in this building. That's what he wants. People are all going around, well, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what I was created for. Y'all, you, you as Christians have no excuse to be ignorant about this. None at all. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do... I expected Randy Simpkins' voice. Anybody expecting Randy to speak? I think God speaks like Randy. Here's what he said. God created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. God's got this, port, he's got this portfolio. He's got this file. All these good things he has in mind for you to do. Not only to bless you and lead you to your fulfillment of what you're here for, but also to bless other people. You know, God, is, when you've got a cusp of something new, you're about to be exposed to new people. And new people are about to be exposed to you. And God wants to use you to bless their lives. You're getting a whole new crowd of people around you, and God's saying, what are you going to do with this influence you've got? But here's the question, right? Why is it that be strong and courageous is what he needs to do in order to reach that legendary status and service for people? Why is being strong and courageous so important that he says it three times? And I'll, I'll tell you why he says it this first time. Look at verse 5. I've got, this, I've got this plan for you to go in and take the land. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. There's not going to be anybody who's going to stand in your way. Now listen, that doesn't mean there's not going to be people who try. There's going to be people who will try to get in the way of God's plans for you. Here's God's plans for you. He's going to use you legendarily for your own life and for the life of other people. And here's where you are right now. Here's where he wants to use you. And in between these two places are some people who will try to oppose you, to try to distract you, to get you off this path and make you do something else. There will be people, but if you're strong and courageous, you will not back down and you will not change your direction. You will get to where God wants you to. But there are people who stand in the way and you've got to be strong and courageous about that. It may not be people, it may be your own desires. Y'all, we have some fallen nature desires within us that will sabotage God's plans. All sorts of weird, strange desires within us that we let our sinful selves distract us. But if you're strong and courageous, you are strong and courageous enough to tell yourself, no, I want God's purpose for me. Or it may not be a person or a desire, it may be a dream. You've got this dream of something you want to do, but in order for you to accomplish that dream, you have to, to kind of take a different route than the plan God has for you. And sometimes you have to take an eraser and erase that dream and do something different. Let God use you. Go where he wants to take you. Do, do those things he has in store for you to do. Do those good works that God has planned in advance for you to do. And don't let anything get in the way of it, y'all. Be strong and be courageous and be willing to say no to all those things that would obstruct you. But that's just the first one. I want you to go down to verse 9. We're going to look at the third one. And underline it again in verse 9. I know I'm skipping one, but again, math's not my point. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I'm telling you a third time. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. I'm wondering now, all of a sudden, with this third appearance of it, and then he strengthens it by saying, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. He's acting like there's some really scary moments between 
where you are and where God's wanting to lead you, there's some different scary things. There's some doubts that will creep into your mind. There'll be some fearful moments when you think you're all alone. Why is fear and despair something has to warn us about? As if we're going to have a tendency within us to give way to our fears and our despairs and our discouragement. You're going to have moments where within you, you have doubts. And you wonder, I don't know that I'm enough. I don't know that I can do this. I don't know if this is the right path or not. And in those moments, you have to decide what you're going to do. I love it. He's at least honest with us. You're going to feel alone sometimes. You're going to feel powerless sometimes and overwhelmed. But there's some good news to this. And he ends with it. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know what that means? It means those doubts and fears are liars. There's a great theologian from Jonesboro, Arkansas. You'll hear him on Caleb every once in a while. And he'll sing the song, Fear is a Liar. And it is. Fear is Satan. He is like the father of lies, right? He likes to lie to you. And when he lies to you, he makes you fearful, and you kind of draw into your shell like a turtle. It's like, I'm afraid I don't, I'm not enough, or I can't do this, or I'm overwhelmed, and things are a little bit despairing of you, or whatever. There's all sorts of things, and it makes you cower. And what you've got to do is you've got to answer those lies with some truth. My father never leaves me alone. I'm never. When you say, how can I stand alone? You are never alone. God is always there. There's this saying I used to hear people say, it's kind of dumb, really. I want you to see if you follow me. Say amen if you agree with this. Wherever you go, there you are. You're uncertain. You're not saying amen. You don't really know. You think I'm a change agent doing some false doctrine. Listen very carefully. This is not, this is not rocket science. I want you to listen. Wherever you go, there you are. Okay, we're not going to move on from this until you say amen. So even if you don't know what I'm saying, I want you to say amen anyway. Wherever you go, there you are. Yes, okay, that's true, right? It doesn't matter where you go, you are with you. But here's the other thing. No matter where you go, there God is. And if God is there you will outnumber anything. It's the old Elisha story when his servant runs out and he sees that they're surrounded by the enemy and he goes, oh no, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, we outnumber them. He wasn't good at math either, but he was good at faith. I'll take faith over math any day. And so he says, God opened his eyes that he can see and the servant opens his eyes and suddenly God's army is around the enemy army and he realizes just how wimpy the enemy is when you've got God on your side. I want you to take that with you. And we have a daughter who's very anxious. She's here today and I, wouldn't, I didn't think she was going to be here today and so I'm going to have to use this with her present. I hate doing that because I usually pay for it, but she was so anxious her freshman year of college. It was terrible. Every night we were like, what do we say tonight to kind of offset all the anxiety in her head? We had no idea, but we started teaching her just truths. Just You've got to start answering the lies with truth. You've got to answer the lies with truth, because if you start believing those lies, you'll never do anything. And one of her verses, her verse was Joshua 1.9, happens to be this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And she wrote it on her mirror, and she says it every day. And she's done much better. I, I don't know that it ever goes away. But neither does God. And neither does that truth. Put that truth in your head and put it in your mouth. And say it to yourself over and over again. 
Say it over and over again. The Lord is with me wherever I go, and we outnumber the foe. Ha, isn't that great? Isn't that, that's a, write that down. I didn't even have that written. That's amazing. Go ahead and tweet that out. All right, so number two. Go back to the second one we skipped. The secret gets stronger in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. He adds a word. Underline it. Verse 7. Be strong and very, very courageous. This is resolute, and we need to read this. And this is the definition of strong and courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn aside from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The words you say need to be those words, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Here's the definition. Do what God says. Don't turn over here because it's easier and quicker and it's an approval with everybody. Don't turn over here because it's more exciting and it's new. Don't turn either direction. Stick with Scripture. Put it in your mouth. Put it in your brain. Let it flow out of your body. Let Scripture be what defines you. Then you'll be successful. And I have to pause here right now and tell you, Scripture very rarely uses success and prosperity the way our culture does. This is not a prosperity gospel. It's not a message of success in the way our world defines it. The way God defines it consistently in Scripture is this. This is how you are to live to make you more like God. To be, because that's what Scripture is designed to do. And it's trying to move you to look more like God. Success and prosperity is when you become holy. And holiness is the passion of your life. And you become more and more like God. And if you follow the words of Scripture, you will get there. It takes courage and strength, though, because a world is against you on this. You must believe that the word is God's truth because there's many who are going to give you alternative truths, alternative ways to understand and interpret things. You have to be strong and courageous because everything within you sometimes would rather listen to something else. You must not only believe the word of God, but do what it says because sometimes you won't want to do it. Sometimes the challenge it presents to you is so much more difficult than doing it some other way that you just as soon go along with the crowd, but you must not. This is the secret. This is the definition of strong and courageous. Now, let me give you some examples because you need, I need to put some flesh on this because it just sounds so esoteric. So here it is. Here's an example. The first one is a scriptural one. The other ones I'm going to apply it, okay? I want you to remember back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were given this command. You remember? There was this fruit of this tree. Now, we always call it an apple. I don't think so. I think it was a fig. And here's why I think it was a fig. When they sinned, they then made clothes for themselves made out of fig leaves. So we know there was a fig leaf tree there, right? We know there was a fig. I don't know if there was an apple anywhere, but I know there was a fig. So we're going to call it a fig. And so she was looking at this fig, and she goes, Boy, that sure looks good to eat. I don't think so, but she did. And I'm told, she says, that it's good to make us wise. Now, I don't know how you can look at a fig and go, when I eat that, I'm going to be brilliant. How does that happen? It happens because Satan put that idea in her head. She started hearing in her environment that this fruit right here is going to make you pass your algebra test. So go ahead and eat this thing. And so she did thinking, oh, it's going to get me wise. But here's what God had told her already. Don't eat from that tree. 
You can eat from all the other trees. Don't eat from that tree. The day you eat of it, you will surely be separated from it. You'll, be, you'll die. They went with the secular worldview, what everybody else was saying, and because of that, the rest of the world's been messed up ever since. Okay, that's how it is. We have a battle of, of worldviews. If you're going to go with the, the words of Scripture, or are you going to go with the words of people around you? Let me go for one today, right? The definition of success is get you a great job that makes you a lot of money. Go for the path that will produce the richest payoff. Do you hear this every day in our culture? Come on, church, you hear this every day? The commercials tell you that's what you're supposed to do. The books tell you, and hey, listen, some of you parents have told your kids this. Here's what scripture says. Be very careful about your desire for wealth. The desire to get rich, 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. The desire to get rich opens you up to plans and paths that can destroy you because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is that what Scripture says, church? Hey, is that what Scripture says? Does it mean that? Okay, you've got two voices vying in your head. Which one are you going to listen to? You're going to follow one of these paths. Now, here's my question for you parents. Be careful. Don't answer it out loud. If your kids can only be one, really well off or faithful to God, which one do you want them to choose? Because a lot of times that's true. Just saying. That's a worldview challenge. Scripture versus what con conventional wisdom is. And we we have got to be careful. What he says is, here's the secret to success. Go with God. Go with God's word. Trust it. Even when it sometimes doesn't feel right or lead to a place you want to go. Here's another one. Sexual desires are real and powerful, and you should explore and experiment to find the greatest satisfaction. You owe it to yourself to maximize the enjoyment of the desire without any boundaries at all. This is every sitcom you watch. This is every video that you see. This is every song that you hear. This is the world's sermons preached all the time, and we are inadvertently, indirectly hearing it and even singing along. And then into this comes the truth. The desire for sex is God-ordained, and so is the purpose. Flee sexual immorality. It's a unique and powerful sin against your body. Control your body in a holy, honorable way, not in passionate lust like the godless. This is both 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 4. Now let me, let me summarize both of them this way. Here's what the world says. You are defined by your sexual desire. Listen, you are defined. Whatever that desire is, you are defined by it. And there are Christians who are thinking that's true and accepting that as the starting point. You are defined by your sexual desire. That, there's a Greek word for that. Here's the real truth. Here's the real truth. Your identity determines your sexual behavior. Your identity, who you are, determines how your sexual behavior will be. 
We behave according to who we are. We are not what our desires are. Get this right, church, and world, listen, this is it. This is where the world is going against us, and we are going along with them. We're letting them lull us to sleep, and I'm telling you, what, what Joshua is saying is so crucial for today. Don't buy the secular worldview. Listen to what his scriptures say. Go buy that. One more. The only truth there is, is what works for you. Whatever fits life you want, makes you happy, is right for you, as long as you don't hurt anybody. That's secular ethics. Here's what God says. The way to love God and the way to love people is to keep God's commandments, 1 John 5. You want to do what's best for you? You want to do what's best for everybody? Do exactly as God says. You believe that? Do you believe that the best way I can love a world, love a world, is to obey God? You think it is? You think the way I can love my, even a person who, who, who wants to live however they want, do you think the best way I can love them is to treat them like God tells me to? Uh, absolutely. That's what we say. It's, so listen, you're going to go off to college in secular classes. No, no problem, you got, but you better learn that this is going on. This battle is going on constantly, and you're going to live in this world, and that's where everybody lives. And when you come back home, when you come back to your home church, I promise you this, you will hear the truth. You will hear the truth, and we're going to offset it the best we can. But this is not enough. You've got to be reading. The reason the elders see fit to give you a written passage of Scripture, a whole written copy of it, is because we're telling you this is the secret to your life. I don't care whether you use it or one on your phone. But may we, as long as the world continues always on Senior Sunday, give you a copy of Scripture and tell you very clearly this has to offset all the secular messages you hear. This is the key to success. God's way and the world's way, they're different. And we live in that world so much of the time that sometimes you don't even recognize where it clashes. But when it clashes, you need to go with the Word, not the world. Take a glimpse at the second Joshua moment as we close out here. This is at the end of Joshua. Now it's his turn to die. First time Moses died, God speaks. This time Joshua's about to die, Joshua speaks, but he uses the very words of God. So, really, you can't go wrong when you speak about something. Use God's words. It's really a good idea. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Now, here's what's happening. They have taken over the promised land. Now they're going to all go to their homes. They're not going to meet every morning and every night with Joshua like they did with Moses. Now they're all going to their own homes, and they're starting to live life in the promised land. They're not going to be constantly in contact with each other. And he says, now go. But as you go, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served. Abraham, beyond the river. Uh, put away the gods of Egypt where we spent 400 years in slavery and serve the Lord in him alone. And if it's not right in your eyes to serve the Lord, well then choose this day whom you'll serve. Take your pick. Look out in the world and take your pick. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's acknowledging, y'all. He's very honest. There's other choices and options out there. Look around, there's plenty of options out there, but if you want to succeed and you want to be faithful and you want to be legendary and you want to be used by God to bless people, if that's what your desire is, serve the Lord. 
And for today, I want to give some charges to the graduates themselves. So here we go. If you're going to change the world and you're going to be God's person, have a clear conviction. Draw a line in the sand and refuse to go over it. Don't back down. People will disagree with you. That's okay. They'll respect you. And in that spot, in that spot where this territory is, com- is co- fought over, when you stand with God, that's the moment of your influence. That's the moment when you're salt and light. Every other time when you're just a good guy and everybody else is just a good guy or a good girl, that's okay and that's fine, but salt and light happens at the moment of convergence. Draw a line and don't back down. Have conviction. Expect opposition. You are at war. The promised land only belongs to those who fight for it. And you will be opposed. Welcome to the world. And I wish we could all go with you and sympathize with you, but we can't do anything about that. You will be opposed. Be ready for it. Commit to holy living. How many of you seniors, I just want the ones who are graduate, how many of you are baptized? Raise your hand. If you're baptized, this is redundant. When you were baptized, it wasn't opening a negotiation with God about how you'll live and how much you'll give him. When you were baptized, you bowed your knee to him and you called him King Jesus. And you said, you're going to make every decision for the rest of my life. And so I can talk to you and I'm going to be compassionate with you. But listen to me, you made the choice to put him on and make him king. And now it's time to show the world who's king of your life. No apologies. Baptism is when you chose. Be holy. Refuse to conform. The greatest danger for the church is when we assimilate with the world and we're no longer impacting it at all. We just join with them in everything and nothing really matters. And finally, live in fearless hope. Here's here's the fearless courage, and here's what I mean. I, we, need new heroes. We need Joshua's to go out there in an opposing world, actually live the Christian faith, lead some people because of you in the promised land. We need heroes, and the only way you can be a spiritual hero is if you stand for the truth in a world that doesn't. Please be a hero. Not only do our other people need to see it, but we back home, we need, to, we need to see witness and demonstration that what we've taught all these years really has taken hold. The older members here need to be able to look and say, look at that. They're living faithful lives out there. What a legendary position to take. Please be heroes. Secret to our success. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Whatever college or work field you go, he's there with you. And so are our prayers. If there's anyone who needs to respond this morning, the real response is the same. You want to bow your knee to King Jesus? Make him Lord of your life? Let me warn you, you're going to have to be strong and courageous because you're not going to be embraced out there. But you're going to receive the kind of support and love and presence that you need to do it. And this morning, if you're subject to it,
We'd love to see it happen as we stand, as we sing together.